Good morning again, church. It is good to see everyone here this morning. This morning, I want you to think about the time when you were taught the gospel. Now, for some that grew up in the church, there may not be a specific moment you kind of grew up with the teachings of the church and, and the gospel. So there may not be an exact moment, maybe when you kind of first heard the gospel, but I want you to think about a, a, a specific time of, or a moment, maybe when you first heard, or at least first truly understood, what the gospel was and what it meant. So try to think back to that time for some of you, it may have been that uh, a real moment when you maybe were at a, a lectureship or a, a gospel meeting and they were preaching the gospel and you heard it. And I want you to think about the reaction you had either to hearing it for that first time or really as you were growing up, understanding it for that first time, and really truly seeing it for what it was. So think about that moment this morning. We all have a moment when the gospel was taught to us, uh, or a moment where you asked yourself, is this really true? Is this right? Is it true? Is what I have been taught, either growing up throughout my life or by, by a Christian speaking to me, is what I have been taught, is it really true? There are a lot of religions in this world. There are a lot of people that will claim other things are true, and this is not. So I think we've all come to, or I hope we've all come to a moment in our lives where we have that question for ourselves. Is this true? For myself, I grew up in the church, right? I grew up here, and so I, I was taught everything in, in the Bible. I was kind of taught the Gospels. So I don't have a moment in my head that I can think of when I first heard the Gospel, right? It was a thing that was always kind of presented to me. But there did become a moment when I when I decided to become a Christian and be baptized, and it did strike me differently, for sure. But then as I grew older, and especially kind of in my early 20s, I really had to ask myself, is what I've been taught, is what I believe, is it really true? What is my reaction to the gospel? And so through a lot of discussions with people and a lot of studying, I came to the conclusion that, yes, it is true, or else I wouldn't be here. I came to that conclusion that, yes, it's right and true. I looked at other religions in the world and what they claimed to be true. And I talked to others that believed different things and whether that was true or not. But as I continued to look at God's word and I looked through history and all of it together, it was clear to me that this was true. So we all have a reaction to the gospel. 
So when you questioned it, or when you, when it really struck you as something that was life-changing for you, what did you do? What was your reaction? Did you immediately believe it? And that was it? You said, okay, this is going to be my life from now on, and I'm a Christian, and let's go. Did it take you maybe a long time to accept it? You knew what it was, but you didn't want to quite believe it. You didn't want to quite accept the light. Did you question it all in, in depth, making sure that it was right? So this morning we're going to look through a, Acts chapter 17. But throughout the book of Acts, we see the apostles going out into the world, preaching the gospel. And so what we see as they do that, we see reactions of people to that message. And so our reading this morning was one reaction that Paul and Silas got when they got to Thessalonica. There was a reaction to them and the message. And some people accepted that message and embraced that message and believed it. But they also found this real, uh, this uprising against them, this, this real uh, uh, attempt to discredit them in Thessalonica as well. And we see this, as, as a reading had from Vern there this morning, that we, we see that the, uh, many of the Jews in that area gave them the same reasoning that the Jews did in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. That these guys are saying there's another king. And so you authorities that are, in, that are here, you have to take care of this because there's only one king and that king is Caesar. That's their claim. And so you have to take care of this, Paul and Silas who are claiming this King Jesus. And so we see this reaction to the gospel. And so as, as, uh, as you go through the book of Acts, you see Paul on his missionary journeys, and you see the places that he went. And so we're going to pick up there in Acts 17, and we're going to continue to see uh, the reactions to the gospel, and then for us, the reactions to biblical teaching. The gospel at this time was not a completely new teaching, but it was built on something already trusted and established earlier from God through the Old Testament scriptures. Right? So this wasn't something that somebody just kind of invented on the spot and started to spread and said, here's this guy, here's this Jesus that did all these amazing things and was crucified and raised on the third day and now we should believe in him. There was background to this. There was history along with this that what Paul and Silas were teaching didn't just kind of come out of thin air. There was background to it. And so discovering who God and then the Messiah would, would be have been taught to many of these people throughout their entire lives and through many, many generations through the scriptures. They had understood who God was. And they had learned about the Messiah and the prophecies that, that were around the Messiah, but what he was to be when he came. 
And so they had a background, many of, of the Jews at least, had a background to this new, to this teaching that Paul and Silas were now bringing. And so we see there in Thessalonica that some believed it, some really rebelled against it. Now when we continue through Acts 17, we come that they, we found out that Paul and Silas had to get out of Thessalonica. They had to leave. Because their lives were really at threat. Things were getting really intense. And so they needed to get out. And so they decided to continue their journey and continue down to a city called Berea. And a, a smaller uh, town, I think about 60 miles or so from Thessalonica. And so they left Thessalonica in like the middle of the night uh, so that it would be harder to kind of trap them or nobody could kind of trap them in the middle of the night. And so they, they left in the middle of the night and got to Berea. And when they got there, they did what they always do when they get to a place. They went to the synagogue to teach. Uh, they had all this problem in Thessalonica, but that didn't deter them. They were still going to do what they were supposed to do. And so they got to Berea and they started to teach. Now we see... We're going to see in a moment here how the Bereans reacted to the gospel. And so my question for today is, as we look at how the Bereans reacted, how, and we asked a little bit before how we did respond, how do we continue to respond to biblical teaching? Do we, do you sit and listen to me and say, oh, well, Corey's up front, he must have the answer, he must be saying everything correct, so I'll just... Believe what he says, because he's the guy up front. I hope you don't do that, because I'm not a perfect person. And by, I by far made many mistakes, and I've made mistakes speaking up here, and I might make one this morning. So it is our responsibility as Christians to not just listen and believe everything we hear, but to react. So this morning, we'll look at the example of who the Bereans were and their reaction to Paul and Silas and to the gospel. So the first thing we see in Acts 17, chapter, verse 11, says that these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. So now we've seen a difference here as, as Paul and Silas go to Berea and they present the gospel to them in the synagogue. The Bereans are um, are thought of and, and described here as more noble-minded. So what do you think of when you hear noble-minded? I found a quote from Alexander Campbell that he wrote, they were more noble-minded, not in the fictitious nobility of earth, but in their generous sympathies of piety and humanity with the divine will. This idea of someone who is noble-minded to have a high moral standing, someone who would uh, be very respectful, somebody that would be looked up in society and, and people would think good things about them, somebody that really kind of tries to do the proper things and tries to really live right. 
And so this is what the Bereans were described as. These people seemed like they were the type of people that would not reject outright something brought before them out of fear or jealousy, as we've seen in other times, as the gospel is presented, people will immediately just say, no, I don't want anything to do with that before they even really hear it. These people seem like ones that you could sit down with and talk with and really discuss what you wanted to discuss with them. Continuing just verse 11 there, we see that the Bereans were also very studious people. It says that they examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So the Bereans had access to scriptures, probably in the synagogue there, where they could go and they could read and they could see how it relates to what Paul and Silas were teaching. They did not just accept the teaching of these men and say, okay, that sounds great, let's accept it or not accept it. They listened to them, then they went into the scriptures that they had to see if this lined up. If this teaching is about this Jesus and the things that he had done in the Messiah, does this line up with the scriptures that I know, the scriptures that we have? Does this all make sense? Does this work? They needed to see the connections that are made in the Old Testament about the Messiah to Jesus. So they looked at their scriptures and they say daily, and we're not sure how long Paul and Silas were there, but they examined these scriptures every day to make sure what Paul and Silas were teaching were right. There was information available to them and they used that information and came to a wise decision. Then we see that many of the Bereans were faithful. Verse 12 says, Therefore many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. They had studied it, they had examined it, they had looked at it, and many of them came to the conclusion that it was true, that it is right, and they believed. And we're noted here that many prominent women and men believed and were accepted. And this is a noteworthy note here, because as these prominent people, they would have had access and influence to many others in the town and in the surrounding area to teach as well. And we could see that I'm sure the gospel spread from these people to many other people that they would have used their resources to spread the gospel around in their area as well. We also see later in Acts, in, chapter, in Acts chapter 20, where a man named Sopater from Berea helped Paul and Silas along their journey. So these, these people had been taught, and they carefully examined everything that was taught to them, and many of them believed it because of that. So how do we respond to biblical teaching? As I said earlier, do we just accept what we hear and say, that sounds good, I'll all believe that? Or do we follow the example of the Bereans? 
And there's a few things that I want to look at within their example to how we should respond to the gospel as well. And the first one is that they were eager, right? The, the scriptures talk about that they were eager to hear Paul and Silas speak. They really wanted to hear this message. This wasn't something that just kind of snuck up on them and that they were, okay, I guess I'll listen to this guy. They were eager to hear it. They really, really wanted it. And so for us today, as we look into God's word, we should desire, we should want that eagerness. We should hope for that eagerness so that we really want to get into God's word. That it's so important for us to hear it, to learn it, to study it, that we just can't wait for the next Bible study, the next lesson to listen to, the next thing to be a part of. But we are eager to be part of the church and the teaching. Then we see that they examined it, they studied it. Now we have access to God's Word in many different ways, and it's everywhere. The Bible is everywhere in our culture, and we have access to it very easily. And so we have it to study it and examine it. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament, we have it all. Plus we have many other resources. We have commentaries and we have lessons and sermons and all of, and, and books upon books written about the Bible that can help us to understand it better. So when we hear a biblical teaching, when we read something, when we are part of a Bible study, we can react in the way that they did by looking at Scripture. One, to see if it's and what was being taught right there is actually what Scripture says. But then further on in Scripture, how does this connect to this? Right? The Bereans needed to connect the Messiah to what the Old Testament had taught about the Messiah and connect that to Jesus. So there's different parts of the Bible that we look at to understand a specific teaching. And then to be faithful with it, to really believe it, and trust that it is true. We have so much information around us in the world, uh, as far as, as the Bible goes, but anything else as well in our life. We're bombarded with information. And it's good to ask, can I trust this information that is coming to me? One source says this, the other source says this, and something in the middle. What can I trust? How do I know what to believe? Now, there are steps that we can take to know what can we believe. There's trustworthy sources in our world that we can trust and that we can know where reliable information comes from. For this, for us as Christians, the most crucial one is that we can trust the Bible and its teaching, because we know where it came from, that it is from God. And as, as Ray had this morning in, in the Lord's Supper, he talked about how in Revelation, how God gave that to Jesus, and Jesus gave it to John, and John wrote it down. That we can trust the book of Revelation, because it didn't just come from John, and that's it. That John decided to write it on his own. But John got it from Jesus, who got it from God with the Holy Spirit guiding. 
And so we can trust that information because we know it is real. And we can verify that with other things that we know as well within scripture and also within history and other writings that we have in our world. It shows that the Bible and the gospel is true. So we have the Berean example here this morning, and the Bereans have been uh, held up as an example for the last 2,000 years of how to act when presented with biblical teachings. The Bereans set an example for us to follow, that we are to be eager to hear it, that we study it, to see if it is true and we are faithful to it. We see that they didn't just immediately reject what they heard because they were scared of what that might mean for their lives. But they also didn't immediately accept it and say, okay, I'll believe it because I was told. When we take the example of the Bereans here and we see how they worked with Paul and Silas. I think it can help us to become better equipped to hearing God's word. But when we are eager to hear it, and when we study it, when we really know, is this really true? We have billions of people in our world that do not believe it is true. And that's sad. It's really sad. And Paul and Silas took it upon themselves and other apostles that we read about to try to change that in, our, in their world, to bring the gospel to people and teach and show them that it is true. Not just believe me because I can talk. Believe what I am saying because of every all this evidence that is surrounding you, that you can look at and examine. Now we are called to do something similar as we are called to go into the world and spread the message of God. And as we do that, as we teach people, as we talk to people, we can't just say, you need to believe this because I said so. We have to show them the evidence. We have to show them the truth and see how they react. Now, this didn't always work for Paul and Silas. As we said before, in Thessalonica, and then here in Berea as well, they became, there was obstacles. And they had to keep moving on because people really wanted to hurt them. But they continued to do this. And so this morning, as we look at that example of the people in Berea, we can be encouraged that this is how we can look at God's Word. This is how we can study the Bible. And that we know that it is absolutely true. Thank you.